It's not where I'm going tonight, but it's where I went. And hopefully you went there too. Now where I'm going tonight is the book of Proverbs chapter 23, verse 23. Proverbs 23, 23, familiar verse of scripture, just one verse. And everyone said, thank God. Well, not everyone knows what the word everyone means. Praise God. It's only one verse, and then you get to sit down. We've already prayed, so one verse, you get to sit down. Maybe I need to go into a Hebrew study of each word of this verse before you're seated. Let me try again. It's only one verse. All right, all right, now I feel better about it. All right, Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 23. Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. Buy the truth. Buy the truth. That's what I want to teach on tonight. Buy the truth. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your hearts. You may be seated. Now, as I said, much of this is going to be familiar territory for many of you tonight. And I make no apologies. I've been feeling this for several days and God knows what he's doing. Amen. He knows who would, uh, he knew who would be here, who would not be here. He knew who would be listening online. He knew who would listen later on that needed this to be online for their sakes. And so I make no apologies tonight, but I do feel this in my heart. Amen. By the truth. Amen. Now, before we get into our text, I think it is important that we define the truth. If we have to buy it, what is it we're supposed to be buying? Well, Jesus gives the answer to that in John chapter 17 and verse 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And so the truth is the word of God. When the writer of Proverbs said, by the truth, he's talking about God's word. Well, hallelujah. I hope you're going to help me tonight. Just because I'm sitting down, I hope that doesn't mean your spirit is as well. Amen. So the truth is the word of God. Now, I want to show you something. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. See, Praise God. All right. Read. Seeing ye have purified your you souls. You have purified your souls. In obeying the truth. In obeying. Now watch this. You purified your souls how? In obeying the in truth. In obeying what? The truth. The truth. This is the way you purify your soul is through obeying the truth truth read through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently uh-huh being born again being born again not of corruptible not of seed, corruptible seed but of incorruptible but of incorruptible now by the watch. word of god by the word of god now now follow with me in verse 22 he said our souls were purified when we obeyed the truth. 
In verse 23, he says we are born again by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. I submit to you again that the truth and the word become synonyms. It is the purifying of your souls that comes through obeying the truth. And he said, you're born again. That's when our souls are purified, is at new birth. And he said, that happens through the word. So we cannot make a distinction between the word and the truth. It's not relative to the times. Well, it's relative, but it doesn't change with the times. It's always relative. But I think you know what I meant by that. We, we, don't, we don't try to become relative. We let the word of God be what it is and it will relate to every day, every time period, every, every era, every millennium, millennia, millennia, singular, right? Millennium, something, I don't know. All right. It doesn't help when I'm sitting down. My mind doesn't work too well. All right, so let's read on. By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all the flesh, all is, as flesh grass, is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of yes. grass. The grass withers, grass withers, and the flower, the flower thereof falleth away. Falls away. But the word but the of the word, Lord. But in, the word, but the word, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. Now, I want you to follow this. He starts out by saying, this is the way your soul's purified is through the truth. Then he says, you're born again by the word. That's not a contradiction. They're synonyms. Now he says something else. The word of the Lord endureth forever. Read. And, and this is the and word. this is the word. Which, which by, the, by gospel the gospel is, preached unto, is you. preached unto you. So I submit to you, here is a third synonym that we can throw in. The truth is the word is the gospel. The gospel is the word is the truth. Well, praise God. Amen. I submit to you, everything in this book is about the gospel. From Genesis 1-1 unto Revelation 22, I'm telling you, everything in the Word of God is about the gospel. And it's all truth. So the truth is the Word is the gospel. Praise God. Amen. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Let me give you another synonym. Preach the Word. Now, Paul tells Timothy to preach what? The word. Preach what? The word. Preach the word. Now, we've already found out word equals truth equals gospel. So preach the truth. Preach the gospel. Right? Preach the word. Read. Be instant, Be instant in season. In season. Out of season. Out of season. Repute. Reprove. I'm sorry, reprove. Yeah. Rebuke. Repute. We can repuve too. That's all right. <laughs> repuve. Rebuke. Praise God. We'll get there. All right. Reprove, rebuke. Exhort with exhort all long suffering. With all long suffering and what? Doctrine. And what? Doctrine. I give you another synonym here. The word is the truth, is the gospel, is the doctrine. 
People today want to steer away from doctrine. That's just man-made teaching. Oh, no, 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 my friend. I'm telling you, this is what Paul commanded Timothy to preach. He said, preach the word. He said, preach the doctrine. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 It is yet another synonym. Praise God. Titus 1 verse 9. Holding fast the faithful word. Holding fast the faithful word. As he hath been taught. Uh Uh-huh. That he may be able able by by sound sound doctrine. What? Doctrine. Both to exhort exhort and to convince convince the the gainsayers. Now, did you notice this once again? He uses these terms interchangeably. Holding that faithful word so that he may be able by sound doctrine to convince the gainsayers. These words become interchangeable. They are synonymous. Everybody with me tonight? And so, and so the word, the gospel, the doctrine, all of these are terms that describe the truth. And our text tells us we must buy the truth. Let's read it again. So, uh, Proverbs, I'm sorry, Proverbs 23, 23. By the truth. By, now, look at this. By the truth. And sell it not. And sell it not. Also wisdom. Also wisdom. And instruction. And, instruction and, understanding. and understanding. Now, now listen to me. Listen to me. I want you to understand this. When he says by the truth, that doesn't mean just by John 3.16. That's all some people want. That's all they're willing to purchase. John 3.16, nothing else. I'm here to tell you when he says the truth, he's not talking about one verse that suits what we want to believe. When he's talking about buying the truth, he means buy every word of it. From beginning to end and everything in between, buy the truth, buy the word, buy the gospel, buy the doctrine. Buy it all. Now, this word buy, as it's used in this verse, according to the Hebrew lexicon that I used, uh, this word buy means to acquire, to take into your possession. That's what the word acquire means, to come into possession or ownership of something. And so I want you to think about what he said. He said, I want you to take possession of the truth not just know it not just read about it not just tell others about it not even just understand it but he said I want you to buy it I want it to become yours I want you to take ownership of this thing. See, when you own something, you become protective of it. Oh, I feel like, I feel like, I feel like not really limiting myself to teaching tonight. I feel like doing some preaching. But I'm going to tell you, when you really own something, when you take possession of something, then you become protective of that. If it's not yours, you're not so worried about how it fares. 
You don't care if someone else leaves their car out in the snow. You don't care if they leave their uh, uh, uh possessions out in the rain you don't care about that's their business that's their business but if it's yours see see when you have to buy it when you have to make an investment when you have to acquire something it makes a big difference I was standing somewhere uh, one time some young person uh, you know put their foot on the gas pedal real hard and heavy and fast and burn rubber and left black marks to show everybody. And the person standing next to me turned and looked at me and said, I know who's buying those tires. And it ain't the one driving. Because the minute they have to work to buy those tires, they don't care if they can burn rubber or not. They don't want that rubber burnt. They don't mind burning daddy's rubber. They don't mind peeling out in daddy's tires. But when they got to buy them, when they have to make the purchase, when they got to work several hours on the job to be able to afford that new set of tires, they're a little bit more careful in how quickly they take off and how quickly they come to a stop. Let them have to replace the brake pads and have the rotors turned and whatever else. And all of a sudden, they, they start caring about this car if they're having to make regular uh, payments on it and have to make regular investments in its upkeep. They suddenly care more about how they handle that car. And the more of an investment they make in it, the more precious it becomes to them. If they only had to pay a couple hundred dollars and that's long gone and now it starts falling apart, they may not care until the motor goes out. And it's going to cost them more than they paid for the car just to put another motor in it. And then they say, you know, maybe I should have checked the oil once in a while. Oh, I'm meddling now. Are you young people listening to your pastor? Well, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. If you don't know how to check the oil, you don't know how to do those things, find one of these men around here. They'll help you. You need to learn. You need to learn. You need to learn. All right, I got to get beyond that because my time is already halfway up and magic hour is going to hit before I'm even finished. So this word acquire in the original, this or this word buy in the original means to acquire, which means to come into possession or ownership of. It's not enough to know the truth. You got to make enough of an investment in it that you take personal possession of the truth. You got to make it yours. At some point, it can't just be the gospel it's got to become my gospel. It can't just be the doctrine. It's got to become my doctrine. Oh, somebody help me tonight. It can't just be the pastor's doctrine. It's got to be yours. You got to take possession of it. It's what the early church did. Let's, let's read Acts chapter 2. Uh, ver, let's start with verse 36 because there's so much good here. And we'll read down through verse 42. Read. 
Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Why is anybody getting excited about this? Start verse 38 again. Then Peter said unto them, Repent. Yeah. And be baptized. And be baptized. Every one of you. Every one of you. In the you, name of Jesus Christ. In the Christ, name of Jesus Christ. For the remission for of sins. For the sins, remission of sins. And you shall. And you shall receive, receive the gift, of the, the Holy gift Ghost, of the Holy Ghost. For the promise, for the promise is, unto you, is unto you. And to your children. And to your children. And to all and that to are afar all off. all that are afar off. Even as even many as, as, the, Lord many our God as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, no, 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 saying... Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Listen to me. The apostle said, you purified your souls when you obeyed the truth. He said you were born again through the word. Amen. What we've just read in Acts chapter 2, verses 38 and 39, is how your soul is purified. It's how you are born again. This is the gospel. I'll prove that later tonight. All right, all right, so they've stated the gospel. They've told what the truth is, which we are commanded, of which we are commanded to take ownership in verses 38 and 39. Read on. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself from this untoward generation. And they abbreviated it all into one short sentence, but the Bible says it was with many other words. Thank God for long-winded preachers. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, verse 41. Then they that gladly received See, his word. See, now this is where some of you should be. Instead of complaining about me being long-winded, you ought to just gladly receive the word even when it's long-winded. All right, just threw that in for free. You are with me so far. Don't bail out now. Read on. We're baptized. Yeah, and the they, they gladly received it, so they did what they were told to do. Amen. That's how you know when somebody gladly receives it. All right, and the same day? And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 3, souls. souls. Now the story doesn't end there. Read on. And they continued steadfastly. They continued steadfastly. In the apostles' doctrine. In the doctrine. apostles' doctrine. And fellowship. And fellowship. And in breaking, breaking of bread, bread and, and in prayers. prayers. Now I'm going to tell you the first thing on this list. This brand new church. Born on the day of Pentecost, the first thing they started doing was learning how to continue steadfastly in that doctrine, in that truth, in that word, in that gospel that Peter had preached to them. And you know why they were doing that? They were making an investment. They were buying into it. It was becoming theirs. It was going to go from being the apostles' doctrine to being their doctrine. Hallelujah. And that's what we need to be doing. Now, you can't do that by spending all your time with people who don't believe the apostles' doctrine. You start spending time with people who don't believe the apostles' doctrine, and I promise you they will confuse you at best. At best, they'll confuse you. And at worst, they'll lead you astray. So find people who believe the apostles' doctrine and continue steadfastly with them. 
Praise God. Amen. We'll talk more about that in a moment, Lord willing. But in order to buy it, we got to fall in love with it. You got to love it. You got to love it. You got to love it. Not just know it, not just understand it, not even just obey it. You got to love it. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 10 through 12. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Uh-huh. Now, now, now look. You can back up. You can back up in this passage, and you can read in Second Thessalonians two. Uh, he's talking about the mystery of iniquity in verse seven. He's talking about the wicked one that's going to be revealed. You know, all these people trying to figure out about the Antichrist and who he is, and and the beast, and what that represents, and all that. I'm going to tell you, I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about that because the only people he's going to affect. Are you hearing me? The only ones he's going to affect, verse 10 says, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Why do they perish? Because they received not the love of the truth. Listen to me. If you fall in love with the truth, you don't have to worry about the man of sin. If you fall in love with the truth, you don't have to worry about the mark of the beast. If you fall in love with the truth, it's not going to matter. He's got no power over people that love the truth. Well, I feel like preaching tonight. I'm not going to waste my time trying to figure out how things are going to line out in the end time. I'm just going to fall in love with the truth and God's going to keep me safe. He's going to protect me as I love the truth. Oh, Jesus, help me tonight. Hallelujah. In fact, the Bible says, Bible says they didn't receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Sounds to me like you can't even be saved unless you love it. And in fact, he goes on to say in verse 11, for this cause. For what cause? For what cause? Because they didn't love the truth. That's what he just said. So because they didn't love the truth, what happened? God. That's a capital G. There's a reason for that. This is the God. The God of heaven, not the God of this world. Now note, as much as God wants everybody to be saved, I want you to see something. God is going to send them strong delusion. Who's he going to send a strong delusion? To those who don't love the truth. And why is he going to send them a strong delusion? So that they'll believe a lie. And why does he want them to believe a lie? Verse 12, that they all might be damned. Right. 
Now, God doesn't want anybody to perish. But I'm going to tell you, the day's coming. God's going to look around, and he's going to say, who's doing this because they have to? Who's doing this because somebody's going to say something to them if they don't? And who's doing this because they love it? And God's going to send a delusion to those who don't love it. They may be living it. They may look the part, but they're not in love with it. Oh, church, if there's anything I can convey to you tonight, if I don't get any further in this study, if there's one thing I could pass on to this congregation, I want to instill in your hearts not just a knowledge, but a love of the truth. I want you to love this. I want you to love it with every fiber of your being. I want you to love the truth. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet. I want you to love the truth. I'm going to tell you, if you're going to shout during any song, shout when we're singing, the mighty God is Jesus. The Prince of Peace is he. If you're going to shout during any song, shout when they sing, let me tell you who Jesus is. He's the rock of all ages. Oh, yes, he is. If you're going to shout during any song, shout when they start singing. Oh, you see, you must be. Don't you know you got to be born again? That's when you need to be running the aisles. That's when you need to be dancing and jumping. If you're going to shout to a song, those are the songs you ought to shout to. Love this truth. Love this truth. Love this truth. And if I get up and preach one God every service, you need to shout every time you hear it. If it's Acts 2.38 every service, you ought to shout every time you hear it. You ever been to a wedding? Most of you have. If you weren't there, I don't know how, well, anyhow. You know, there's something interesting goes on in, in American custom. Generally, the doors are shut and the groom is up front and he may be looking all alone and forlorn. But when those doors open and they hit those notes on the organ, something about his countenance just changes. You know why? Because he loves that girl. And he's seeing the one he loves. Now, he might not have had very much of a smile on his face up until then. But I'm going to tell you, you can't wipe the smile off his face. When he sees her coming. Because he loves her. I'm telling you, when you see the message coming. When you see it coming. When you know, hey, I know where that preacher's going now. I know what scripture he's about to read. You shouldn't wait until he gets to the middle of Acts 2.38. You see, that's where we're headed. Oh, that's what saved my soul. That's what purified me. There ought to be an anticipation and an excitement. 
Ah, oh, Jesus, I'm supposed to be sitting down. Hallelujah. Amen. As much as God wants people to be saved, he's going to look around and say, there's some people who don't love this. They're just doing it. They're just going through the motions. They don't love it. And God is going to send a delusion and cause them to believe a lie and be damned. That's what the Bible says. So I want to love the truth. I want to love it. I want to love it. I've told people, you know, I get these, I get these calls. We want you to come and teach doctrine at our church. We want, and, and, and I've told people, look, I am not the brightest bulb in the candelabra. All right? I, I'm, I'm, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer or whatever you want to say. I'm, I'm a few french fries short of a happy meal. I don't, I don't know. Whatever. Whatever they say. A few tacos short of a fiesta platter or something, I don't know. But, but, but whatever it is, I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you that, that I can't go into a church and teach doctrine unlike anybody else. There are people that are much smarter, that are much wiser, that have got a much better understanding. But one thing I am very confident in, there is nobody on the face of the earth that loves it more than I love it. I may not be able to explain it the best, but I can tell you this. I challenge anybody to love it more than I love it. And I may not convey every truth just exactly the way you want it heard, but I'll tell you this. I will convey my love for it. People will know it doesn't matter how many times I teach it. I get just as excited teaching it the millionth time as I did the first time. And I want a church full of people that feel the same way. We love the truth. Not interested in some new doctrine. I'm not interested in some false doctrine. I don't care about the latest fads and fashions that churches are promoting right now. I want the truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. Oh, Jesus. I wasted half of my last half. No, I didn't waste it. I didn't waste it. I didn't waste it. Paul bought the truth. Now, I want you to keep in mind that truth and gospel are synonyms. And with that in mind, consider some of Paul's statements. Let's see if we can go through this quickly. Romans chapter 2, verse 16. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according, according to my gospel. According to what? My gospel. According to my gospel. Romans 16, 25. Now to him that is a power to establish you according to my according gospel. According to my gospel. And the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began. 2 Timothy 2 and 8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to according my gospel. According to my gospel. I hope you're seeing this tonight. Amen. How about 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 3? But if our gospel be hid. If our gospel be hid. It is hid it's to them, hid to that, them are that are lost. Now, let me, let me just, I got to interrupt right here. Got to interrupt right here. This is an important scripture you must not forget. Because the Bible says if anybody does not know the apostles' gospel, they are lost. If it is hid to them, they are lost. 
They're not saved because they obeyed John 3.16. They're not saved because they believed on the Lord. They're not saved because they made a profession of faith. If they don't know the apostles' gospel, they're lost. That's not my opinion. That's scripture. If it's hid, if it's hid, if you're listening tonight and you don't know what the apostles' gospel is, let me say it kindly. I'm not laughing about it. I'm not happy about it, but let me say it kindly. You're lost. If you don't know the apostles' gospel, if you don't know their doctrine, if you don't know the truth that they preached, then you, my friend, are lost and you need to hear the rest of this lesson. Doesn't matter if you're a member of a church. Doesn't matter if you're the pastor of a church. If you don't know the apostles' gospel, you're lost. You're lost. And I want to see you saved. Amen. Paul said our gospel, our gospel. 1 Thessalonians 1, 5. For our gospel, our came, gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. As you know what manner of men we were among you for your oh, sake. Oh, Jesus, I got to hurry. I got to hurry. But let me tell you, their gospel came with power. Power from the Holy Ghost. I don't understand sitting and listening to a dry, dead, dull sermon and think the man's preaching the gospel. If it's the same gospel that the apostles preach, it's going to have the same power and the same Holy Ghost. And if that power and that Holy Ghost is not present, it's not the same gospel. Oh, Jesus. 2 Thessalonians 2.14. Where, whereunto he called he you, called by, our you gospel, by our gospel. To the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's the only way that you can obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ is through their gospel. Amen. That's the way that it is. Obviously, the truth, gospel, word, doctrine was not just something Paul knew and believed, but he embraced it wholeheartedly and he claimed it as his own. And we must do the same thing. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why we have to. Amen. Now keep in mind, truth, doctrine, gospel. Uh, amen. These are word. These are synonyms as I use these verses. All right. So keep that in mind. First of all, let me tell you why we need to buy the truth. Uh, John 8, 32. And ye shall know the truth. You shall know the truth. And the truth. And the truth shall make the you free. The truth shall make you free. I'm talking about the same truth the apostles preached. You can't find the apostles preaching except Christ as your Savior. They never preached that. And if that's all you've done, you're not free. You're still bound. But when you find the apostles' gospel, that's when you find freedom. Hallelujah. It's the truth that makes you free. Without the truth, people are still in bondage. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Listen to this. 
For I am not ashamed, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of, of the Christ. Gospel. Same word, same word, truth, doctrine, word. Amen. Gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For Why? It is, it is because the power it's the of power God of God unto salvation, unto salvation to, everyone to everyone that believes. Believes what? Not believes that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again, but believes the gospel that's been preached. I'm not ashamed of that gospel. That's where the power of God is. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. So, it's the power of God unto salvation. Without this truth, people are lost. They are lost. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 15. For though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet ye have not many fathers, for in Christ, in Jesus, Christ Jesus, I have begotten, I've begotten you, you how? Through the gospel. Through the gospel. You are begotten through the gospel. The gospel. The gospel which the apostles preached. The same message that Paul embraced. The same message Peter embraced. The same message John embraced. Amen. That's the gospel that will allow you to be begotten. How in the world can you be born again if you've never been begotten through the gospel? All right, now, now, it's a unique gospel. It's a unique gospel. It's alone. It's not like any other. Amen. Let me show you. Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 12. I'm now, passages like this that are long passages, I would encourage you to look in your Bible. And I know we're putting it on the wall, on the screen, if you're listening online. But, but I'd like for you to see it in your Bible. Galatians, Galatians, chapter 1, verses 6 through 12. You'll find it as we continue reading because we've got several verses to read here. So let's get started. Galatians, chapter 1, verses 6 through 12. Listen to what Paul said. I marvel that you are so soon removed removed from him that called you you into the grace of Christ Christ unto another gospel. Now, hang on just a minute. Unto another gospel. I'm going to say another gospel. Now, Now, look. When you read this verse and the next one, it almost appears these two are contradicting one another. They're not. And I'm going to explain that to you. But I want you to notice, he said, he said, I marvel that you are removed from him that called you unto another gospel. So he said, you've gone to another gospel. But then he turns around and says in verse 7, which is not another. Which is not another. Now, wait a minute. He just said, you've been removed unto another gospel. Then he turns around and says, but it's not another. Now, the reason this appears to be a contradiction is because it's been translated into English. In the Greek, the word another in verse 6 and the word another in verse 7 are two different words. They're not the same word, though they are very similar Let me explain this to you. One word, the word in verse 6, means another of a different kind. In verse 7, the word another means another of the same kind. Let me explain. You say, I've got two pieces of fruit. All right? I've got two pieces of fruit. Now, if... Your first piece of fruit that you show is an apple. You say, now I've got a second piece of fruit. If the second piece is an orange, 
you've got another piece of fruit, but it's another of a different kind. But if the second piece you show is an apple, then you've got another of the same kind. And this is what Paul said. He said in verse six, you have been removed to another gospel of a different kind. And it is not another of the same kind. It's different than the real gospel. It may be a gospel, but it's not the gospel. And then he goes on to explain. But there be there some, be that, some trouble that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. So here's what he said. Yeah, you've been removed to another gospel, but it's not like the original. It's a perverted gospel. I'm here to tell you that's the only two kinds of gospel that, there are, that, that, that exist. Do you hear me? There's only two kinds of gospel that exist. There's the true gospel and the perverted gospel. There is no in-between. There's no neutral ground. It's either the true gospel or the perverted gospel. That's it. And I'm going to prove that to you as we go on in this passage. Read on. But though we or an angel from now, heaven. listen to what he says. But though we, and he's speaking here as an apostle. He said, I don't care if one of us apostles loses our mind later on. And we come back to you and we've departed from the faith. And I don't care if it's Moroni. Or moron I, or whatever, however you pronounce it. I don't care if it's an angel from heaven. What? Preach any other gospel. If he preaches any other gospel, any, any, everyone say any. You understand what that means? If there is any variance, if he preaches anything different, then what? Than that which we have preached unto you. That which we have already preached to you. What? Let him be accursed. Let him be accursed. Now, just how strongly did Paul feel this? I'll tell you how strongly. He felt it strong enough, he repeated himself. Read verse 9. As we said before. As we said before. So say so I now, say I now again, again. If any man if any preach, man any, other preach gospel, any other gospel unto you, unto than, you than, than received, what you've already received, let him be let accursed. Let him be accursed. So I'm telling you that if there's any variance from what the apostles preached, that person, I don't care how large their congregation, I don't care how many miracles they perform, I don't care how nice they are, I don't care how many hungry people they feed, I don't care how many homeless people they house. This is not about good works. It's about the message they're preaching. And Paul said, if it varies at all from what we've already preached to you, let him be accursed. Now, why would I want to sit and listen to somebody that's accursed? If God cursed them, I don't want to listen to them. I want to be careful. Because if God cursed them and I start believing what they say, I might find myself under that curse. I got to be careful. I got to be careful who I listen to. All right, now we're not done. Read on. For do I now persuade men or God? So Paul says, what really is my purpose here? Am I trying to make people happy or am I trying to make God happy? Now, you understand what he's saying? 
He hasn't changed the subject. He's talking about people that pervert the gospel. And he's contrasting himself with them. So he's saying, I seek to please God. What are they doing? They're seeking to please men. They want to get a crowd. They're not really interested in who's saved. They're interested in how many people attend. So they get a crowd together. They're seeking to please men, not God. Read on. Or do I seek to please men? Do I seek to please men? Read. For if I yet if please I, men. Oh, listen to this. If I seek to please men. I should not be the servant, not the servant of Christ. I am not the servant of Christ. Boy, he didn't leave any gray area there, did he? No, sir. Again, it doesn't matter how many miracles. doesn't matter what he does. doesn't matter how many good acts he performs. He said, if I'm only trying to build a crowd and I'm not following the gospel, I'm not the servant of Christ. That's what he said. Read on. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. So, so listen, here's the reason why he could feel so strongly about the gospel that he preached. He said, I didn't get it from a man. I'm not teaching you man-made doctrine. Where'd it come from? Verse 12. For I neither received it of man. I didn't receive it from man. Neither was I taught it. I wasn't taught it by man. But by the revelation. I got this gospel by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus taught me this gospel. That's why there can't be any variance in it. That's why I can't tolerate someone else coming along and changing it at all because I know what Jesus said and Jesus doesn't lie and Jesus doesn't make a mistake and so the doctrine that Jesus gave me is the true doctrine and any other doctrine, I don't care where it comes from, I don't care who's preaching it, any other doctrine is cursed by God. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm working my way to a finish here. I really, I know it's, it's, it's magic hour. Give me just a few minutes. Paul was not the only apostle who felt this way about this message. 1 John chapter 4, verse 6, listen to what the apostle John. And remember the apostle John was the one that was called uh, the one whom Jesus loved. He had a special place in the Lord's heart. He was closer to the Lord than any of the others. I thought about this when you were teaching, preaching the other night. Jesus sent out 70, but only 12 of them became apostles. But of the 12, there were only three of them that he took on some missions. And of the three, there was only one that leaned on his breast at supper. It just keeps narrowing down, doesn't it? I want to be that one. That's, that's what I want to be, Brother Nelson. That's, that's where I want, I want to be that one. Praise God. All right, so, so this is John now. John the Beloved. Here's what he says. First John 4, 6. We, are we of God. and he's speaking of the apostles. We, the apostles, are of God. Read. And he that knoweth God heareth, heareth Anybody us. Anybody that really knows God will hear us. Now, 
I don't have time to go into this because my time is up, but let me just remind you, I taught for weeks, uh, and we haven't finished that series. We'll go back and pick it up on the seven churches of Asia, and we're going to pick that back up just as soon as I feel led to do it, uh, and I'm really excited about doing it. But one of the things is that every letter ended with the words, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And what I pointed out to you is Jesus wasn't just saying, listen to the sounds. But when he said, let him hear, he was saying, listen and obey. So John here is using that same terminology. And he says, we are of God. And he that knows God listens and obeys us. Listens to and obeys us. Read. He that is not of Whoever God. Whoever is not of God. Heareth not Will us. not listen to or obey us, the apostles. So listen to me. You ask somebody if they baptize in Jesus' name. The apostles always baptized in Jesus' name. And if somebody won't hear that and they won't do it, the Bible said, not me. This is not my opinion. This is the Bible. The Bible the anointed, inspired, infallible word of God says, if they won't obey what the apostles said, they are not of God. In fact, he goes on to say, Hereby know we the spirit of truth. This is how we know the spirit of truth. And the spirit of error. Do you understand that? John said this is a litmus test. All you got to do is ask somebody, do you preach what the apostles preached? Here's what they preached. If they don't preach what the apostles preach, it's the spirit of error. If they preach what the apostles preach, it's the spirit of truth. It's that simple. Somebody said, oh, there's thousands of denominations, so many different churches. Everybody believes something different. How do I know who's right and who's wrong? Right here's your answer. The Bible gives us the answer. You don't have to guess. You don't have to wonder. The Bible spells it out. This is the answer. All you got to do is take them to Acts 2.38 and say, here's what the apostles preach. Is this what you preach? If it's not, it's the spirit of error. If it is, it's the spirit of truth. That's not hard. Really very simple. It's really very, very simple. Doesn't take a lot of work to figure this out. All right, I got to hurry. I got to hurry. So, uh, John, this is 2 John. Now, verses 10 and 11. You can take any chapter in 2 John you want. Verses 10 and 11 say the same thing in every chapter in 2 John. They do. Verses 10 and 11 say the same thing in every chapter in 2 John. Isn't that interesting? So, any, any, any chapter, verses 10 and 11, read 2 John. If there any come unto if you. there come any unto you. And bring not and this bring doctrine. And bring not this doctrine. Now, he's not talking about some other doctrine that he didn't preach. This doctrine, this truth, this gospel. This word, if anybody comes and does not bring this doctrine, what? Receive him not into your house. Oh. Neither bid him God speak. Oh, oh. Have y'all heard my new song about the Jehovah's Witnesses? That's it. Praise God. <clears throat> Hallelujah. 
just making sure you're still awake. It's late. I got to hurry. All right, look, if they come to you and they're not bringing this doctrine, the same doctrine the apostles preached, if they're not bringing this doctrine, what did he say? Receive him not into your house. Don't receive him into your house. Don't invite him in your house. Now, I just have a question. If I turn on the radio, and they're teaching something different than the apostles taught. Did I receive him into my house? It's not the person John's worried about. It's the message. All those folks that turn on their TV. Listen to some preacher. I'm going to get my spiritual nourishment from this preacher. I know he doesn't baptize in Jesus' name, but he's got good things to say. Wait a minute. The minute you turn that on, did you receive him? It doesn't say invite him. It says receive him. I think a radio is a receiver. I think a television is a receiver. I think a computer can function as a receiver. And he said, don't receive them. Isn't God amazingly intelligent? When he inspired John, I mean, John could have said, don't invite him in. But no, he inspired John to say, don't receive him. Knowing that there would be people in 2000, this is why I tell you, don't ever say the word of God is outdated. Knowing that in 2022, there would be people who had receivers. That they might ever, might not ever invite the person in, but they receive them in. And the apostle John said, don't receive him into your house. Neither, Neither bid him, bid him God, speed. God speed. And really, that's the equivalent of saying, God bless you. Well, I'm telling you, John, you know, you thought Paul was bad when he said they're accursed. John said, don't even say God bless you. Why, why can't we say God bless you? Read. For he that biddeth him God because speed. Because whoever says God bless you. Is partaker of his evil deeds. Yikes. Now. First of all, John said what they're doing is evil. He didn't say it's a mistake. He didn't say, well, they're good on everything else. They just got this one major point wrong. He said it's evil. And he said, if you say God bless you, then you become a, a partaker of that evil. Oh, I better move on. Yeah, I'm trying to preach the word. I'm... I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. Praise God. All right, so um, I want to show you something here, and this is, again, the beauty of the Word of God. The Apostle Peter, in one city, sits down to write a letter under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost to another city, a church in another city. And in this letter, he asks a question. Now watch this. 1 Peter 4, verse 17. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of 
the gospel of God. All right, so the times come that judgment begins at the house of God. If it first begins at us, now look at the question. The question is, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel? Now, he's in one city, writing to one group of people at one time. In another city, writing to another group of people at a different time, not knowing what Peter asked but the same Holy Ghost that moved on Peter starts moving on Paul. And Paul gives the answer to the question. What's the question? What shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? What's going to happen to those who don't obey the gospel? Peter asks the question in one letter to one group of people at one time. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, writing to another group of people at a different time without knowing what Peter said, writes this, 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 7 through 9. And to you, and to you who are troubled, rest with us. Uh-huh. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, right. in the flaming, in flaming fire, fire, taking vengeance, taking on, vengeance them on them that know, that not, know God. not God. Now look. And that, and not, that obey not the not gospel, the of, gospel our Jesus of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter said, what's going to happen to the people who don't obey the gospel? Paul said, I'll tell you what's going to happen. In flaming fire, he's going to take vengeance on those who obey not the gospel. Read. Who shall be punished, be with, punished everlasting destruction with everlasting destruction from the presence, from the of, the presence of the Lord and from, and from, the, from glory the glory of his, of his power. Peter said, what's going to happen if you don't obey the gospel? Paul said, I'll tell you what's going to happen. You're going to be judged forever, eternally. If you don't obey the gospel, only one gospel. Only one gospel. So what is the gospel, the doctrine, the word? What is the truth which the apostles preached, embraced, loved, and bought? And which we are commanded to buy? What is it? Well, Paul defined the gospel in his first letter to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. Read. Moreover, brethren... I declare, declare unto you the gospel which I have preached unto you, which also ye have received, wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory that which I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins. All right now, he's telling us, he said in verse number one, I'm going to declare unto you the gospel. Now he tells us what the gospel is. First of all, Christ died. Everyone say Christ died. That's the first part of the gospel. All right, he died for our sins according to the scriptures. Read. And that he was buried. He was buried. That's the second part. Everyone say Christ was buried. That's the second part of the gospel. All right, read. And that he rose again. He the rose third again. Everyone say Christ rose again. All right, that's the third part of the gospel. There are three parts to the gospel. Now listen, this is essential that you understand this. Paul's the one who gives us this definition under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost because some people seem to think that the cross is the only thing. I've heard people say that when Jesus said it is finished at the cross, that what he meant was the work of salvation is finished. I'm here to tell you that's not at all what he meant because the work of salvation was not finished just because he died. Paul said he also had to be buried. And he had to rise again. In fact, had Christ not raised again, not, not raised, had, had Christ not risen again, 
Paul said our believing would be in vain. So I'm telling you that without the resurrection, the death became meaningless. It's not just the cross. Yes, thank God for the cross. Thank God for the cross. But it's not just the cross. It's the cross and the grave and the resurrection. Three parts to the gospel. Three, everyone say three parts. Three parts to the gospel. All right, I'm on the last page of my notes. You can sigh easily. Praise God. Three parts to the gospel. Now, I've told you that word, gospel, truth, doctrines, all the same thing in these passages. So let's take you to where Jesus actually instructed the apostles on what this truth is they're supposed to preach. Remembering that Paul's already said there's three parts to it. Right? So let's look and see what Jesus says. Luke chapter 24 and verses 45 through 49. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Stop right there. Don't tell me the apostles made a mistake. If you say they made a mistake, you don't believe the word of God. If you say that they made a mistake in something they said, then you believe that the Bible is a lie. Because the Bible says that Jesus opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Now, there might be times that I don't understand a scripture. There might be times Brother Hilton doesn't understand a scripture or Brother Goff doesn't understand a scripture. But there was not a time after this moment that Peter or John or James or Andrew, there's not a time that any of those men misunderstood the scriptures. Matthew did not misunderstand. He understood it. Because Jesus opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Read on. And said unto them, said to them thus, it is thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ, Christ to suffer and to, and rise, to rise from the from dead the, dead, the, third, the third day. day. And that repentance. And that, now watch this. And that repentance. Everyone say repentance. All right. And remission of sins. And remission of sins. Should be preached in his name. In his name. Everyone among, say remission of sins in his name. All right, read. Among all nations. Among all nations beginning, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these, of these things. things. And, behold, and behold, I send, I send the, the promise, promise of my Father. Of my Father. I'm going to say the promise of the Father. All right. Upon, Upon you. you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. All right, so I'm telling you, the gospel contains three parts. The death, burial, resurrection. Jesus told his disciples to preach three things. Repentance, remission of sins in his name, and the promise of the Father. So I'm telling you, there's got to be a connection between repentance, remission of sins in his name, the promise of the Father, and the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And indeed there is. For when the convicted crowd asked the apostle Peter, whose understanding had been opened, and this is my final scripture, but his understanding had been opened when they asked him what to do. Let's read in Acts chapter 2, verses 37 to 39. 
Now when they heard now this, when they heard this, they were pricked, they in, were their pricked heart in their heart and said, and to, they Peter said to Peter and to the rest, of the, the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, men and brethren what shall we do? Tell us the truth. Then Give us the gospel. Lay out your doctrine. Preach the word. We got to know what it's going to take to be saved. What shall we do? Then, then Peter, Peter said, said unto them, accept the Lord as your Savior. No. no. Believe on the Lord. No. Join the church. No. Sign a church card. No. Then Peter said unto them, repent, repent and be baptized, baptized every, one of, every you, one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, Christ for the remission, for the remission of, sin. of sins. And ye shall receive the, the gift Ghost. of the Holy Ghost for, for the, the promise unto you, is unto you and, your and to your children and to all that are afar off, as even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Jesus said, let's stand. Jesus said, preach repentance. Peter said, repent. Jesus said, preach remission of sins in my name. Peter said, be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of sins. Jesus said, preach the promise of the Father. Peter said, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for this promise is unto you. Three things. Jesus said, preach. Three things Peter preached. Three things Paul said, make up the gospel. Three things Jesus commanded to be preached. Three things Peter preached. There has to be a connection. Repentance is the death. It's when you die out to sin. It's when the old man is crucified. That's the death. Amen. There is a burial for the Bible says we are buried with him by baptism. When you go down in water, that is a grave where the old man is buried. But it has to be done in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. And then it's not over just because you've repented and been baptized. There's got to be a resurrection. Without the resurrection, we have no hope. There's got to be a resurrection. You've got to receive the Holy Ghost. And when you receive it, you'll speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. That's the death. That's the burial. That's the resurrection. That's repentance. That's remission of sins in his name. That's the promise of the Father. It's repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let's love him together right now. Oh, thank you, Jesus. This is the truth that we have to buy. This is the truth that we have to buy. Oh, hallelujah. One commentator said about our text, buy the truth and sell it not. He said, you got to be willing to pay even the most extreme price in purchasing this truth. And you cannot accept any price in order to sell it. We should be willing to pay a great price for the truth, but unwilling to sell it for any consideration. The truth is not for sale. Not in my heart. 
not in my spirit, not in my mind. It's not for sale. There is no price tag on the truth that I love so dear. Is that the way you feel tonight? Why don't you lift your hands and love him one more time? Why don't you lift your hands and thank him one more time, everybody? Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Come on, let's praise him. Let's praise him. Let's praise him.